This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 157. And the quote of the day is from Robert Half, who said, asking the right questions takes as much skill as giving the right answers. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and this is an Ask Ruffini session. So this is a chance for you, the listeners, to ask me any questions that you like. So you can submit anything, whether it be about drumming, about practice, about business, about social media, about what I like to eat for breakfast. Uh, I don't care. Uh, send any messages that you'd like or send any questions that you'd like. And just use the hashtag Ask Ruffini, R-U-F-F-I-N-I, either on Twitter or shoot me an email, nickatdrummersresource.com or on Facebook, anywhere anywhere you'd like. Feel free to uh, to submit those questions. But if you use the hashtag Ask Ruffini, I'll be able to see it on Twitter. So uh, another thing, for those of you, I want to send a shout out to the people who have recently left a rating or a review on iTunes. And there's one issue with the reviews, though. I can't respond to them. So there's no way of me saying thank you or, or anything like that. So I'm going to do it here. Uh, so D Wright just left a review. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bradford Bolt are on AAR on. It looks like Aaron. I guess he space part of it out or something. Uh, white flower percussion, JD McNugget, one, two, three. So for all of you who have left a review, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And if you haven't yet, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. It's super simple. Just go to iTunes, click leave a rating or review. You can, you can, you know, write as much or as little as you'd want. But if you do leave a review, let me know, like shoot me a message on Facebook or Twitter or on Instagram or something like that, because I want to personally thank you. I just, there's no way for me to do it inside of iTunes, which is kind of a, a wonky system, but that's the way that it is. So for those of you who have already, thank you so much. And for those of you who haven't, why haven't you come on, leave a rating or review and interact, leave some comments. I want to talk to you. I love talking to you guys. So again, this is an ask Rafini show. So you can submit questions about whatever you'd like. And we're going to get into that in a minute. I want to talk about practice for a minute because my buddy Nate over at the 8020 drummer.com has figured out a scientifically a systematic way, how guys like Mark Giuliana and Calvin Rogers and people like that practice and how they get so much better results than a lot of people in their practice routine. And the cool thing is he's created videos just for the drummer's resource audience. And you can go to his website, the 8020 drummer.com forward slash drummer's resource. And he'll send you those videos for free and you can check them out and really step up your practice game. So I definitely think that you should take advantage of that because they're not going to be around forever. The 8020 drummer.com forward slash drummer's resource. And I'll put that link in the show notes as well. And let's get into the first question. The first question is from Fernando, who wants to improve his left hand in singles and doubles, said that he wants to have evenness and speed in both hands. And my advice is this, Fernando, I'm guessing if you're asking this question, you're probably right-handed. So, 
And I wrote about this in an article that I'll link up in the show notes about strengthening your, your weak hands or whether you're left-handed or right-handed. But what I, what I did in college, I, I noticed that my left hand was really, really weak because I'm right-handed. So one thing to keep in mind is that your right hand has an advantage because you probably brush your teeth with your right hand. You probably eat with your right hand. You probably unlock the door with your right hand. So things that you're doing throughout your normal day that you don't, that you don't realize you're using your right hand for a lot more. So, so naturally your right hand is getting more use, more exercise and more functionality out of it. So what I did in college was made a conscious effort to do everything that I normally do with my right hand with my left hand. So I would brush my teeth with my left hand, which is really, really hard if you're right-handed or eat with my left hand or, you know, whatever, like put deodorant on with your left hand. So if you switch it up that way, that it's not really a specific thing for, for drumming, uh, in terms of like singles and doubles, but it's definitely a way to get more functionality and more mobility out of your left hand and start challenging your left hand to do the things that you do with your right hand extremely naturally. And then the next thing I did was I took my drum kit and I set it up left-handed. So not only are you working on your left hand, but you're working on your left foot at the same time too. So, and I would play, you know, grooves that I, or fills or things like that, that I would normally play right-hand lead. I would play left-hand lead. And then the third thing that I did was anything that I practice right-hand lead, I would practice twice as long left-hand lead. So if I was working on just a, a paradiddle, you know, if I was working on paradiddles, right-handed lead paradiddles, uh, I would do, you know, five minutes on the right and then 10 minutes on the left. So doubling up everything, because like I said, your right hand is at such an advantage or your, your dominant hand for those of you who are left-handed and and trying to increase your right hand, your dominant hand has such an advantage because you use it day to day and you don't really realize it uh, until you go to try to do it with your, with your weak hand. And it's such, it's such a weird thing to do. So try that. So try working through your daily life with your left hand or your weak hand uh, leading with that hand and then try to switch your kit around and lead left-handed. And then the other thing would be to work on your weak hand twice as much as you work on your dominant hand for a while. You might, you don't have to do that forever. Um, but, but you know, it's good to try that for, you know, six months or a year and you'll definitely see some, see some results in that. And also be sure to check out, I'll link up to the article that I wrote. It's basically the same concept, but I'll, I'll put it in there anyway. It's under drummersresource.com forward slash. This will be session one five seven. So I'll put the notes, the show notes, uh, or the link to that article in there. And I hope that helps Fernando. Thanks for sending in your question and let's get to the next one. Cole asked simply, how do I break into the music business as a drummer? I live in Los Angeles. I'm currently in a band that's playing every month. It's been great, but I'm looking to get out or get more session work and join a wedding band or a general booking band. I've got a lot of contact leads since coming here, but it's very difficult to break in nonetheless. Cole, what's happening, man? Thank you for the question. And, you know, this is this is sort of a... It's sort of like, how do you break into anything, right? So how do you, how do you break in as, you know, how do you get into a top accounting firm if you're an accountant is no different than how do you break into the music scene? So the one word that pops into my mind automatically is networking, right? So I'm sure you're going to say, all right, well, I know that, that I have to network, 
but how do you do that? Right. So let's, let's start about, or let's talk first about what you can add to any situation. So you got to think about, you know, what you're really good at, what you can help other people do, uh, what type of value that you can add to these people rather than just saying, Hey, can you get me a gig? And the second thing is look at, at being relentless. I mean, for me, how let's, you know, how did I break into the, into the music scene? I got a lot of touring work, but I wasn't, but nobody knew who I was like inside the drumming world. Right. So nobody, you know, the people at modern drummer didn't know who I was. The people at drum magazine didn't know who I was. I didn't have any endorsements. I didn't have any of that stuff. And, you know, now I do and, and have relationships with all these people. So how did I get those relationships? So I, cold called people. I literally have sent thousands and thousands. I say cold call, but it was really emailing. Uh, well, I've called some people too, but really, I mean, I've sent thousands and thousands of emails connecting to people and do they all write me back? Absolutely not. Probably one or 2% of the people that I email write me back, but I'm relentless. I email people and Anytime I come across somebody that I'm like, oh, that'd be cool to connect with them. I send them an email and I do that all the time. I still do it to this day. I sent out seven emails today, just trying to connect with people that are operating outside of my comfort zone or, you know, at a higher level than I am and seeing what type of value that I can add with them. See if they're willing to go out and have a cup of coffee, see if they're doing something in the area that maybe I can help them with any way that you can add value to the relationship rather than just saying, Hey man, can I get a gig? That sort of thing. Uh, also I would go out and see other bands and learn their material and let the band leader, I, you don't want to poach gigs. So I'm not saying to do that, but even let the drummer know like, Hey man, I really dig this band. And you know, if you're ever, if you're ever in a pinch, I know the repertoire and I can play this gig if you ever need it. I'm not trying to steal your gig, but I'm just telling you that if you ever, if you're ever in a pinch now, I don't suggest having that conversation the first time you ever talk to that dude, but I would become friends with that guy and then let him know that, that you can, you can play that gig for him. But you know, you gotta, you gotta, make situations happen. One, you have to be prepared for the situation to happen, but you have to go out and make these opportunities happen. They are not going to come to you. People are not going to be banging down your door to go play gigs unless you're Vinnie Calute or Steve Gadd or somebody like that who have networked themselves and they, you know, they, they laid the groundwork for their career and, and they're playing backed it up. So one, you got to have the chops. And when I say the chops, you got to have the skills to play, right? Not like the speed chops, but if you have the chops and you have the skill to do it, then the next step is you got to hustle your face off and introduce yourself to as many people as you can and have coffee with as many people as you can and not give up and be relentless and be everywhere. And I'll, I'll make a deal with you. You tell me, do that for six months and shoot me an email and tell me how much progress you've made, because I guarantee you're not going to send me an email and say, oh man, I just put six months into this and I've made no progress. So try it. Try it every single day to bust your ass and email people and communicate with people and add value to people and really, 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 really hustle and know that you're giving it 110%. Try that for six months. Let me know how you're making out. Hope that helps.
quick note, I want to thank Dream Symbols for being so generous as to, to sponsor this podcast. And the thing that makes you Dream really unique is they have this new recycling program that I think is awesome because I'm a big fan of recycling and I'm a big fan of, of you know, sustainable things. And if you bring in a crack symbol, it doesn't matter what kind of symbol it is. You can bring, you know, whatever brand of symbol you want into a participating retailer and you can trade that symbol in on a new dream symbol and they'll give you a dollar per inch. If you have a 20 inch symbol, they'll give you $20 off of your next symbol. So I know a lot of you guys have some crack symbols laying around that you can't really do anything with. Well, now you can. So you can take them into your participating retailer. And however many inches and symbols you have, that's how many dollars you get off a new dream symbol that you buy. Then they take your old symbols, they melt them down, and then they make their crotales out of it and their crop circles and all that stuff. So really cool thing that they got going on over there at Dream. And I encourage you to check them out at dreamsymbols.com for more info about their recycling plan. And, you know, get rid of some of those old crack beat up symbols and get yourself some new dream symbols dreamsymbols.com check them out now let's get to the next question neil said my biggest struggle right now is soloing a lot of times i don't really know what to play and i don't want to take one i always end up getting too busy and going crazy any advice on that So, Neil, the first thing that I would say is anytime that you have to think about what you're going to play, don't play it because it's not musical, it's robotic, and it's contrived. So the key to soloing, and I've talked a little bit about this before with with playing jazz and playing and playing melody and structure, is that a solo has to be based on something. If not, you're not playing music, you're just playing a bunch of chops. So you have to take the melody of the tune and build your solo off of the melody of the tune. And, you know, a lot of times you'll, you'll see younger players run into that issue where they sort of run out of their chops. So they're like, okay, I'm going to play this double power diddle thing. And then I'm going to do this, this nine stroke thing between my hands and my feet. Uh, and then what am I going to play now? Okay. I'm going to play this double thing. Oh, I'm going to play that power diddle thing again. And then not, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to play. Then their tempo starts speeding up and they're completely lost. And it just sounds like a bunch of noise, right? So the reason why is because there's no, there's no theme development there. When I say theme development is taking the melody of the tune and creating a theme, creating a melody, creating, creating musical substance inside of that solo. So I think that is one of the biggest things that I see people doing incorrectly because they're, you're not playing music. So you're, you're kind of lost as to what to play. And there are a lot of people that can, that can chop it. And I'm not talking, I'm not like talking down on playing chops. I'm not saying that, but if you're, I'm guessing that a lot of times when you're playing, if you're struggling to know what to play and, and you know, how to approach it and everything, then you're probably just, you're probably relying on your licks and not relying on musicality. So the cure for that is a few things. One, just because you're doing a solo doesn't mean that you have to play a million notes. So you may want to start a solo with just a hit on the snare drum. Bop. Boom. Bop. 
right? So you start to even that, even a tiny little theme and you start to build off of that. It doesn't have to be, Oh my God, let me show you every single thing that I can play as fast as I can play. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I bet there's a thousand drummers in the room that are all going to dig this because chances are there's probably no drummers in the room or maybe one. And, uh, and if, if you're not playing musically, they're probably not going to be impressed anyway. So one, when you, when you solo, think about building themes and playing melodically rather than, okay, I got to play all these chops that I know. So then two, how do you get to that melodic state? How do you, how do you practice playing that sort of stuff? I've talked about this in podcasts before about taking a song, something super simple, like Mary had a little lamb and playing that, that melody on the, on the drums and then moving it around the kit and things like that. I'm not saying that you should be playing sex machine and then do a solo playing Mary had a little lamb. I'm saying this is how you can develop playing musically. So you'll take, you know, dot, 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 right. Not a super, uh, not a super or not a super hard melody to play, but then you can start developing from there. So you know, and then you can start playing, you know, doubles in there, and you can start playing it through the paradiddle or moving it around the kit and things like that. So then you'll you you're using you're using the melody of Mary had a little lamb as the guiding principle, as the sort of the north star to keep your eye on to make sure that you're staying true to the tune and you're not just playing a bunch of licks that have no other meaning other than just the licks. So that's a, uh, that's a way that you can sort of develop that, that musicality side of things and then start applying that musicality to the solos, but start small, build on a solo because if you start your solo playing like the hottest, fastest lick that you possibly can play, you're already at the ceiling. There's nowhere else to go and you've got yourself trapped. So you're better off building that theme anyway. So the, so. Because the theme, you know, a, a solo should have an intro, sort of a climax, you know, or a build and then a climax, and then it goes back into the tune. Uh, I mean, it doesn't always have to be that way, but that's, you know, that's a good way to, to develop a theme. So think about that sort of thing of, okay, if I'm going to start here, where am I going to go from here and slowly build your solo up to the climax and try doing that and let me know how you make out, man. I'd be, I'd be really interested to hear if, uh, if uh, that stuff works for you, because I know that that's how I really worked on theme development and, and playing, playing musical solos rather than just a bunch of chops. So let's get into the next question. Leonard said that his struggle is playing clean doubles. And also he doesn't feel like he can express himself because he doesn't like to overplay. So let's talk about the clean doubles thing first. The only way that anything gets better or gets cleaner is, you know, working on it. So the one thing that I want to suggest to you though is when you're wor- when you're working on doubles don't jump from, you know, 40 beats a minute to 90 to 120 because they're going to be mushed together and they're not going to sound clean. And the the hard thing is for our brains to conceptualize is that you can probably play it you know, like you can, you can get that speed up pretty quickly, but you can't get it to be clean quickly. And the way that you do that is slowly building up those BPM. So starting at 20 or starting at 40, you know, 42, 45, 47, 
50, 52, you know, and letting your one, letting your body adjust to it, making sure that you're staying relaxed and slowly build up that speed over, you know, a long period of time because we're drummers and we're impatient. So what happens is we say, okay, let me try this. Oh, I can play that. And then it sounds like crap because it's not a matter of whether you can play it or not. Right. Once you figure out how to play right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, it's not a complicated pattern to play. So your brain automatically thinks I can play it at 40. I can definitely play it at 90. And then you get there and you may actually be able to pull it off, but it's going to sound crappy because you didn't work out all of the things that you need to get to that point. You know, one of the conversations that I had with Stanton Moore rings a bell where he talks about practice slow, learn fast. And I guarantee if you take doubles and you practice them from at 40 and then 42 and then 45 and then 47 and then 50 and then 52, and you gradually increase that BPM over a month, your doubles will be extremely, extremely clean. So here's what, here's when they won't be clean though. You sitting down on a practice pad and banging out doubles at 120 BPMs for five minutes. That's not going to do anything. I'm, in for all intents and purposes, it's not going to do anything. I'm sure it'll help you a little bit, but it's not really going to do anything because you're not, you're not really practicing anything. You're just reinforcing a bad habit. So start slow. I know it's not sexy to sit on the, sit on the drum pad at 55 beats a minute going, it's boring. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's boring, but it pays off in the long run. So practice slow, learn fast. Now, uh, the other thing about being creative behind the kit and not wanting to overplay, I got two people's names for it, three people's names for you. And they all begin with S or they're all first name, Steve, check out Steve Gad, Steve Jordan, and Steve Bowman. All three of those guys do not overplay whatsoever and are amazingly tasteful and amazingly expressive within the the confines of serving the song to the utmost. So check those guys out. And I don't think that uh, anyone would say that any of those people overplay, but they're all extremely musical and extremely expressive uh, behind the kit. So I hope that helps. And that is going to wrap up this session of Ask Rafini. If you have questions, please either shoot me an email or tag me on on Twitter or Instagram, social, you know, any any of the platforms and use the hashtag Ask Rafini, R-U-F-F-I-N-I. And for all the show notes for this session, you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash session one five seven. Leave a rating review if the mood strikes you. And uh, and if you do that, make sure you let me know, because like I said, I can't respond to the uh, I can't respond to them on iTunes. So I can on social, but I can't do it on iTunes. So let me know if you've left a rating or review. Even if you've left one in the past, let me know because I want to just I want to thank you personally. So uh, I can't do that on iTunes. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.